Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. really putting it on my heart that too many times we just go through our life letting our relationship with Jesus affect us. We've got to let our relationship with Jesus affect other people. That's why we pray for movers every Sunday morning. That's why we give a call for salvation every Sunday morning. And we do those things because it's supposed to be impacting the lives of the people that we come in contact with. Amen? But that means you get to touch a lot more people than we get to touch on Sunday morning. On Sunday morning, everybody that comes in the room, we get to impact their life. But come tomorrow morning, we're going to send all of you out to the north, to the south, to the east, to the west, to all kind of places that this church, physical church, doesn't ever get to go. But you, the real church, you get to go every day. And you get to make an impact in the lives of the people around you. Amen? Amen. Well, this morning, we're starting a new series. And um, we're starting a series called Moments. And uh, I think our worship service, everything has kind of been leading up to that. Our lives are filled with moments. They consist of moments. Some moments that are significant and other moments that are very insignificant. Amen? But the significant moments in our lives can be called defining moments. These moments that are defining, they define who we are. They make up who we are. The truth is, you can tell me the story of your life and all the things that you've come in contact with and all the things that you remember, and from those things, I can tell a lot about you even if I've never even met you until that day. Because those moments define who you are. See, and there are moments that we can take advantage of, and there's moments that sometimes take advantage of us. Some of these moments we're responsible for. We don't like to admit that. Some of those moments we are very responsible for. And other moments that happen in our life are moments that just happen to us. And there's nothing we could have done to prevent those things. See, I believe that there are defining moments in the natural world. Amen? You guys have come encounter with them. If you've lived longer than five minutes, you've come in contact with a natural, physical moment in your life that will be a defining moment. But I also think that there are defining moments in the spiritual world. So as we go throughout this sermon series, and you get to hear me preach this week and next week, and then you get to hear Bob preach the week after that, and Tari preach the week after that, but we're all talking about moments. As we're talking about these moments, know that there are moments in the physical world, but there are moments in the spiritual world. And we've got to pay attention to those things. See, what's happened is that we've done a lot of things in our life that has defined us incorrectly. See, God created us, and He gave us a definition, but then we start living our life, and these moments happen based on the things that we do, and those moments begin to change that definition. The moments that happen in our life begin to define us in a different way than God defined us. I wish I had a lot longer time to talk about that, but that's not my assignment today. But we've got to pay attention to the moments that happened to us. See, there's other things 
that we have let happen in our lives. There's other things that have happened to us that we're, in not, we're not in control with of, and they have defined us incorrectly as well. We've got to pay attention to the moments that happen. See, what, what, what I read a quote a long time ago, and it's, 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 it shaped my whole life. It says, we cannot control what happens to us. Come on, if you were in control of what happened to you, wouldn't you make your life just a little bit different? Maybe you'd be a little taller. Somebody say amen. Maybe you'd be a little skinnier. Somebody say amen. Some of us would maybe have a little bit more hair on the top of our head. Somebody say amen. But if we were in charge of what happened to us, we would make things a little different. I can look back in my life and see all of the things that have happened in my life and I probably would have chose a little different moments to take place in my life. But we are not in control of what happens to us, but we are in control of our response to what does happen to us. So I can't control in your life what's happening in your life and you can't control it. But what you can control is you can control your responses to those things. And that's what we're going to talk about a little bit this morning. The truth is, can I just tell you, and I think I've told you before, but we give the devil a lot of credit he doesn't deserve. We give the credit, we give the devil a lot of credit. This thing will happen in our life and we're like, oh, the devil's working against me. No, he's not. He's got much bigger fish to fry than you. See, some of the things that we encounter are mere sowing and reaping. See, we don't like to talk about the consequences of our sin. All we want to talk about is the forgiveness of our sins. I've preached a message to my youth as many times as I possibly can that there is forgiveness with consequences. Jesus never said he would take away the consequences of sin. He just said that he would give forgiveness so that it didn't lead to death. You can see that in the Bible. You can see people that sinned. The first person that always comes to my mind is David and Bathsheba. David sins with Bathsheba. It's not his wife. He sleeps with her. He has a whole bunch of wives. I don't know why he didn't just sleep with one of them. But no, he wanted Bathsheba and he slept with her and she belonged to another man. That was sin. It was sin then. It was sin today. Somebody say amen. And he sinned and then... You know, he, you know the story. He tries to cover it up and hide it. And when he can't cover it up and hide it, he goes, Well, you know what? I'll just let, I'll just let Uriah the Hittite, Bathsheba's husband, I'll just let him die in the battlefield. It'll look like an accident. And then that happens and he really gets nervous when Bathsheba gets pregnant, right? Because see, up until that moment, his sin could be hidden. Oh, come on, I could preach that right there, but I'm not going to. His sin could be hidden all the way up until that moment. But at that moment, he knew there was going to be a physical representation of the sin that took place between him and Bathsheba. That's when he got nervous. That's when he started killing people. That's when he started hiding it. That's when he started to try to make amends. But that baby was born, and guess what? That baby died. And he sought God, and he prayed to God, and he asked God, and he fasted, and he wept, and he put ashes on himself, which means that he didn't get dressed. He wore just his underwear for several days, and he prayed and said, God, please heal this baby. The consequence of his sin wouldn't allow that to happen. See, and I wonder how many times in our life are we going through a mess, and we're saying that the devil did it, 
Or we're saying that they are doing it to us, and in reality, we did it to ourselves. There's some moments we got to go through because of other moments that we didn't make the right choice. Come on. See, in other moments that we go through, it's just because we live in a sinful world. See, I, uh, I heard uh, Ron Carpenter Jr. preach a few weeks ago, and he pastors a big church in South Carolina. I love hearing him preach. I wish I could preach like him, but I just can't. God didn't give me the same gifts. I was sitting there listening to him with Jesse, and I said, Babe, I hope you don't ever expect me to preach like that because I just can't. It's not who I am. I hope you'll still love me. And she said that she would, so we're all good. <laughs> but I was hearing him preach, and he said, Have you ever heard a preacher or, 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 or a Christian or a friend of yours say, Oh, it's okay. God is in control. He said, Do you know what that is? He said, That's a cop-out for, I don't know what's happening. The truth is, I don't know what's happening. I don't understand what's happening. So I'm just going to say God is in control. And he said, let me tell you something. If God was in control in less than 30 seconds, he'd fix everything. Come on, I'm going to mess with your theology just a little bit. He would fix everything if he was in control. See, when he was in control, the ground worked a little bit different. Our lives lived a little bit different. Look at the Garden of Eden. Look at how Adam and Eve lived their life. Look at how they didn't have to work, that the, that the soil just did what it was supposed to do. And all of these different things happened. And, 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 and Adam, and, and, and he walked in the cool of the evening with God, face to face with God. That's what it was, it was supposed to be when God was in control. And then guess what happened? Sin entered the world. And sin entered the world and it changed things. And now, instead of God being in control, a lot of the time sin's in control. Because God gave us what? Free will. Come on, I'm just messing with you a little bit. But God gave us free will. Now that means that we can either choose God or we can choose sin. And there's a lot of people in the world that's choosing sin. There's a lot of people that say they choose God, but they're actually choosing sin. Come on, I'm in my introduction. Somebody better help me or we're going to be here till 1 o'clock. We start a church at 10 so that we can get out before noon. Somebody say amen. amen. But if God was in control, he'd fix it. Sin ends up being in control a lot of the times. And that's what makes a lot of bad, negative things that happen. Now see, what Ron Jr. talks about a lot, a whole, whole lot, is that the sin that entered the one man, through the one man affects us all. But then there came a second Adam. Do you remember that in Scripture? There came a second Adam, and that second Adam's name was Jesus. And Jesus came to restore everything that we lost in Adam. Now, I don't have time to unwrap that right there, but you can look up Ron Carpenter Jr. in South Carolina. His church is Redemption Church, and you can look that up, and he can unwrap that for you. But we don't got time this morning. But Jesus came on this earth to to fix everything that Adam lost, to restore everything that we lost, and yet we still live as if sin is in control of our life. Come on. What's happened is that we have adapted to live more like Adam and less like Jesus. That's good. So to move on out of my introduction is that it's not the devil that's doing everything. Sometimes it's just us. Sometimes it's just us. We sowed a seed and now here we are 20 years later, we're reaping that seed. Because we failed to make the right decision or because we, 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 we didn't, we made the wrong decision and knew it. 
Or sometimes sin inside somebody else is causing us to go through a moment we shouldn't have to be going through. But yet we're going through those moments anyway. So this morning I just got two things for you. Two, th- two lessons that I want us to learn about moments. I want us to learn these things about moments in our life. The first is that we have to be aware of moments. See, I think a lot of the times is that we miss the moments that are supposed to define us. And we catch on and hold on to the moments that define us incorrectly. We've got to be aware of the moments that's taking place in our life. Have you ever gotten in trouble? Come on, I know we're 30 and 40 and 50 and 20. But have you ever gotten in trouble? We still get in trouble even at this moment, right? But see, we should have gotten in trouble and let that be a defining moment in our life. My mama's sitting on the second row. She can tell you that I had a lot of defining moments that weren't defining moments. Because if I would have let me getting in trouble be a defining moment, I probably would have learned something so that I didn't make the same choice twice. And guess what? I made the same choice twice and three times and four times. Come on, I tell young people all the time that when I was in the dating world and I was dating, I was living with my mama. My mama told me that this girl was bad news and I dated her anyways. And guess what? It was a defining moment in my life and I should have learned and listened to my mama. But I didn't and it cost me a lot of trouble and it cost me a lot of heartache and I was going through a moment that I chose. And it's because I didn't let the moments before that define, hey, my mama knows better than I do because I'm only 15. Come on, when we're 16 years old, we just know everything. Anybody that's got a 16-year-old say amen? I see it all the time. Young teenagers, 16 years of age, and they know everything. As a matter of fact, we should just turn the church over to them because they could run it way better than we could. We should turn over our finances of our house to them because they could run it better than we could. We should let them go to workforce because they sure would work a lot better than we would. Amen. They know how to get job promotions and they know how to spend our money better than we do. They know everything. And then somewhere along the ways, you graduate college at the age of 22 and you start paying your own bills and you realize, oh man, maybe I don't know everything. Hey, mama. Hey, Daddy, could you help me out here just a little bit? I thought I knew everything, but now I realize that I don't. But I knew everything, and things that were supposed to be defining moments in my life and shape who I was and make me make decisions that were better later on in life, I forgot them, and it cost me heartache and trouble. It cost me to go through moments that I shouldn't have had to go through. Some of you are going through moments right now because you didn't learn a lesson when you were 16. Because you didn't let a moment that you went through when you were 16 define something on the inside of you so that you would know better now, but yet because you didn't let it be a defining moment in your life, you don't know any better, so you're still being stupid. And it's causing you to go through a moment that you shouldn't have to go through, but you're still going through that moment. See, there's always things to learn from the moments we go through. The good and the bad. The good moments in our life teach us things. The bad moments in our life are supposed to teach us things. See, the truth is, what we really try to do in our life is we try to forget all the bad moments and just hold on to all the good moments. See, I can still... 
tell you the exact replica of what happened when I was in the eighth grade and I scored a 99-yard touchdown. Still to this moment, I can live it up and I can get all kinds of excited. It makes me want to play football. It was a punt return. I was this little short itty-bitty guy that, that probably the only reason I scored a touchdown is because nobody could see me. All right, that's the real truth. But I remember that I caught it on the one-yard line and it was supposed to go to the right and I just took off running to the right. That's how I ran. <laughs> and somehow I end up in the end zone. <clears throat> that was a good day in my life. And I can remember that even to this day. <clears throat> and I can get really, really excited about it and we remember that. But the moment that something bad happens in our life, we just want it to be over with. We just want to forget it. We just want to pass on. We just shove it down so deep in our life that we try to never even think about it again. And then it causes us to go through more moments and more moments and more moments and more moments. And it wreaks havoc in our life because we didn't say, hey, you know what? I'm going through this moment. Let me learn something through it. Come on. And the second thing that you got to know, the second lesson you got to know about moments is that you got to give them to God. Too many times we just take moments for what they are. We just live in the moment. Come on, I know I'm not the only one that's guilty of going through my day and not even stopping and taking time to recognize Jesus in my life today. Now we always do it on Sunday morning. Come on. We always do it before we go to bed. Come on. But sometimes in our day, we're just going through moment by moment by moment by moment by moment, and we're not, even, we're not even aware of them. We're not even taking those moments and giving them to God. We're just living through the moment. And what ends up happening is that causes frustration. It causes anger in our life. And that in turn will cause pain. And we don't give these moments to God. See, some of the good moments, you just need to give them to God, and you need to just forget about them. Yeah, Woody, that happened in 1998, and that was a good thing. But that's not who you are now. I'm not still playing on a peewee football team. If I took a punt return right now, I'd probably get annihilated by somebody. But see, some of us get one victory in our life, and we live on it the rest of our life. Some of us accomplish one thing, and we sit down. We say, oh man, I won that lady to the Lord at 7-Eleven. And then we never get back up. We never change. We never do anything different. And we don't take that moment and give it to God. We live on that moment forever and ever and ever. We've got to take all the moments and we've got to give them to God. Now you guys know as well as I do when you talk about the good, the bad, the ugly, you've got to talk about a man in the Bible named Joseph. Now, for time's sake, I won't read Genesis chapter 37 verses chapter, I mean, ver, uh, through chapter 45. Okay? I won't read all of that. You can go home and read all of that. But you know the story of Joseph, but I'm going to remind you in case you forgot. Joseph is born and he has a dream. He has a dream that people are supposed to, that people are going to come and bow down to him, even his brothers. Now there's a lesson in this. He runs off and tells his brothers... Hey, one day you're going to bow down to me. Get a clue, man. Get a clue. But he tells them anyways. And of course, they get sick and tired of hearing it. They get upset at him. And they decide, hey, let's kill him. 
They're like, nah, let's not kill him. Let's sell him as a slave. That's much nicer than killing him. So they sell him as a slave, and you think, man, here's Joseph. He has this incredible dream, and now all of a sudden he becomes a slave, and you think, man, his life's over with. But not so fast. His life isn't over with. He gets sold as a slave into Potiphar's house. And he found favor with Potiphar, being a slave in the moment where he wasn't even in control of his own life. Somebody else was dictating everything that he did. And yet he still, I need some of that, he still found favor in the eyes of Potiphar. Things are going great, and you think, man, he's got a good life. And then all of a sudden, Potiphar's wife goes, hey, man, Joseph, he's got good-looking abs. I see him out there working. Look at that tushy. Woo, Joseph. So Potiphar decides that he, I mean, Potiphar's wife decides she's going to make a move on Joseph. So she seduces him and seduces him and seduces him and seduces him and seduces him. Finally, to the point where she's putting her hands on him, saying, take me now. And Joseph takes off running and leaves his cloak. And then she gets mad and says that he came and tried to sleep with her. So then, of course, do you think Potiphar is okay with that or against that? He's against it. So he throws Joseph down in jail, down in the prison. And then down there he interpreted a few dreams and eventually he gets brought to Pharaoh. See, you think when he's sold as a slave, you think it's over with. But then he kind of rises up a little bit. And then he gets knocked down into prison and you think, man, it, it's over with. Now he ain't getting out of there. And then all of a sudden he begins to rise up in there. In those moments, he was still doing what he was supposed to do. And then after he interprets a dream for Pharaoh, Pharaoh goes, man, you have a right relationship with God. You're in charge of Egypt. And you're like, whoa, if it's a movie, that's the point in time in the movie where you're like, what? What? And then he's get put, he gets put in charge of Egypt. And then what you, you know the story later on is that he's able to save his family's life. Because of it. And they come in not even knowing it's him. But they bow down before him and said. Hey can we buy some grain so we don't die. And he recognizes them. And then reveals himself to them. And life is all good. But you think in those moments. Just maybe in those moments. Joseph. Might have said. Hey is this how it's supposed to go. In my life. Am I supposed to be seduced by some woman and because I do the right thing and run away from her, I get put in prison? Can I tell you how that would work out in our life? We'd be mad at our family. We'd be mad at God. We wouldn't go to church. And it would cause us to be miserable the whole rest of our life. And then when we died and we went to heaven and we said, God, what's wrong? And he's like, you didn't let me carry out the rest of of the plan because you stopped in that one moment. You stopped in that one moment and therefore I couldn't carry out in your life. My favorite, mo my favorite thing about this, this, this story of Joseph is that all throughout the story it says that the Lord was with Joseph. 
Joseph was in prison and the Lord was with him. Joseph was in Potiphar's house and the Lord was with him. Joseph was over Egypt and the Lord was with him. Don't you remember the scripture that I will never leave you and I will never forsake you? See, what happens is that we start going through a hard moment in our life and we want God to just take us out of the moment. And God's saying, if you'll stay right there, I'm going to do something great in your life. If you'll stay right there in that moment and you'll be faithful, then I'm going to do something great in your life. If you'll stay right there, I'm going to teach you something and I'm going to put you in place. Now tell me, how in the world was Joseph supposed to get before Pharaoh so that he could be in charge of all of Egypt so that he could save his family? If you were in charge of that story, what would you do? He's walking down the road randomly. This is how we fairy tale think of it. He's walking down the road one day and he trips and runs into Pharaoh and it's like, whoa, hey man, it's good to see you. My name's Joseph. And it's like, oh, cool, man. You're, you seem like a cool guy. Come be in charge of Egypt. It's a fairy tale. It's a fairy tale. But God knew all of the moments in Joseph's life. And Joseph chose that no matter what I'm going through, no matter what moment I'm going through, the good, the bad, the ugly, I'm going to trust in you, God. And I'm going to say, you're in charge of my life, not me. See, what happens is that when bad things start happening in our life, we take control of the moments and we take the joystick out of God's hands. And then now we're in control. And when we're in control, nothing great can happen. We've got to say, hey, God, you be in control, and I'm going to trust you. We're, talking, we're in a sermon series on Wednesday nights at the Element called Trust. And I just had a, had a guy come, and he, he, he spoke about trust, Jacobin. And he read this quote, this anonymous quote right here, and it says, We want God to prove himself to us so we can trust him. But God wants us to trust him so he can prove himself to us. So we want God to prove himself to us. God, if you give me a better job, I will serve you all the days of my life and I'll preach to everybody at 7-Eleven. No, you won't. No, you won't. It won't happen. God, if you just mend my marriage right now, I'll do anything you want me to do. No, you won't. Because you're in a moment right now and you could say, God, I trust you, and I'm going to love my spouse, and I'm going to shower my spouse with gifts, and even though he or she is yelling at me, I'm not going to yell back, and even though he or she is upset at me, I'm not going to be upset back, and I'm going to live in the moment trusting that you're in control, doing everything that you told me to do, and I'm going to have faith and trust that you're going to take me out of this moment. But we just want God to just fix everything. We just want him to take control and just fix everything. You guys just remember, God is in control. And he'll take you through the moments. But he won't always take you out of the moments. Abby, if I can have you guys come. The truth is, the reason that Joseph was able to do the things that God had for him is because he gave every moment that he went through, he gave it to God. He gave all the moments to God. And he trusted him. See, what we do is we let moments come and destroy us. We let moments come and define us incorrectly. And the truth is because we're unaware of the moments and because we don't give the moments to God, that's why they can define us incorrectly. 
we've got to say, you know what? I'm going to start paying attention to the moments in my life. Not just try to get through them as fast as we can. Come on, you guys remember what it was like to be younger, right? All you want to do is graduate high school. I mean, if I could have graduated high school four years early, I would have done it. Then when you get out of high school, all you want to do is either get a job or finish school. If you go to college. I'll just be real honest with you. I took 52 college credit hours my last year of Southwestern Christian University. Just so I could finish. Because I was in a hurry. I had things to get to. You know what? My life wouldn't have been very much different if I'd have just took those 52 hours and graduated in five years instead of four years. But I just hurried through the moment. Sometimes that's what we do in our life. We just want to hurry through our moments. Hurry up and get to Friday. Because then on Friday I get to be lazy. Then I'm going to go to church on Sunday. I'm going to bellyache all the rest of the afternoon about how I have to go to work the next day. And then I'm going to try to hurry through Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And we miss all of these moments. All these moments that God lined up for us. God prepares in advance good works for us to do. Do you know that? That's scripture. And he's got all these moments he wants you to walk through and live through. And because we're in such a hurry to get through them. Have you ever read the stories about Jesus? Was Jesus ever in a hurry? No, man. Lazarus gets sick. What does he do? He just hangs out. Let's him die. I'm in no hurry. He's got places to be. He's got sermons to preach. People that are waiting on him to preach. And he'll stop and heal all the sick people. Have you ever been to that service where you're like, Oh man, the priest wants to pray for everybody. He's like, man, doesn't he have a prayer team? I mean, look at this time. I mean, get this prayer team. Get ten people praying. It'll go ten times as fast. Let's go. If we were Jesus' disciples, we probably would have hung him on a cross a lot sooner. We'd have been pushing him to it. Because we in a hurry. Society calls us the microwave generations. Because I want it now, and I want it fast. But I want it just as good as if it marinated for 48 hours. And that's what we want in our life. We want all of these moments to lead up to all these great things, but we're not willing to let any of these moments marinate in our life. We've got to start being aware of the moments we're living in. We're going through all these moments, but are you just trying to get through them? Or are you learning and doing what God wants for you to do? We want to hold on to all the good moments for far too long. And we want to cram down all the bad moments far too quickly. Why don't we just take all the moments, the good and the bad, and say, here Jesus, you take them. And I may be going through literal hell on earth. 
But God, I trust you. And I don't know how, but I know that you're going to take me through it. I don't know how you're going to do this, but I'm trusting that you're going to do it, and I'm just doing what you told me to do. Come on. That's what we have to do. I want to focus on the giving it to God part. Today, if there's a moment that you lived through, and it's one of those situations where you say, man, I wish I wouldn't have had to live through that moment. Did you ever give that moment to Jesus? Or did you just shove it in some dark corner of your life, hoping that you never have to deal with it? Are you living through a moment right now that you wish you weren't having to live it through? And have you given that moment to God? Can I tell you that I'm, I say I'm only 31. At some point in time, I'm going to have to quit saying only, aren't I, Tari? So I'm 31, and I've seen a lot of death in my life. A lot. Some of you don't even know. All my grandparents are gone. God gave me two fathers here on earth. They're both gone. I've experienced some things in my life that I wouldn't wish on anybody else. And I had to take those moments and I had to say, you know what? God, this happened in my life and I don't understand it. And I don't understand why right after I graduated from college and was getting ready to get married to Jesse, while my dad decided that life wasn't worth living. He took his own life. When I was young right then, that didn't make any sense to me. Can I tell you now that I'm old and I've got all this wisdom and I've read the word and I've seen some different people and gotten some different counseling. Do you know it still doesn't make any sense? Doesn't make sense? But if I let that moment be the definition Incorrectly, can I tell you I wouldn't be here today? I'd be off in the world making some fat paycheck with a nice boat and a nice lake house. Trying to take away the pain from my dad by making lots of money. But that's not the moment God had for me. God said, you know what? I'm going to take that moment and I'm going to let it mold and I'm going to let it shape you and you're going to come through it. And guess what? I came through it. I came through it. You can come through it too. I can't guarantee that you're going to get out of it because still every year I always go hunting and that was something me and my dad did. And this year I can guarantee I'm going to go hunting. And the very first time I go hunting, I'm going to go by myself because it's an hour drive. I'm going to cry the whole way. Because it's what me and my dad did. But God took that moment and he used it to define me correctly, not incorrectly. Now listen, now the devil tried to take that and make it define me incorrectly. 
He left a night's note saying that nobody loved him and nobody cared about him. When I read that note, I said, I did. But the devil tried to say, no, you didn't. And I had to say, that's a lie. I called my dad. I told him that I loved him. I told him about the love of Jesus. I still remember one day I was at the lake and dad called and I didn't answer because my phone was up by the boat and he came up and he, and, and he just showed up at the lake and I was like, whoa, dad, what are you doing? He goes, son, I want to know how to be as happy as you are. I said, it's Jesus. It's all I know to do. And I wish at that moment he would have made a change in his moments so that he would have started living for Jesus. Then maybe Luke could call him Papa. But he didn't. Now I will tell you that when he shot himself, he didn't die immediately. And he left a text message saved in his phone that said, Don't worry, I made peace with God and I'm in heaven. You know what the crazy thing is? Maybe that happening was the only way that my dad would end up in heaven and I could spend eternity with him. I don't know. But I know one day I'm going to go see him again. But that moment in my life, I said, God, I give it to you. God, I don't understand it. God, it doesn't make sense. But God, I give it to you. And I say, you take that moment. You let that moment be a burden to you. I'm going to keep doing what you told me to do. And I finished my internship that I was on. And I went on to become the youth pastor of Passion Church in 2007. I also married my beautiful bride in 2007. And God's done some great things in our life. But it's because I didn't let that moment define me incorrectly. What moment happened in your life that's defined you incorrectly? And this morning you say, you know what? I'm not going to let that define me incorrectly. I'm going to give it to God. And God, you use it to define me. Romans 8 and verse 28, something I've held on to since I was a little itty bitty kid. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Can I tell you, God's taken my story and used it to minister to young people that I've know that nobody else could have even ministered to him. That same year that my dad did that and that God helped me deal with all of it, that same year I was at a youth camp and somebody came and got me and said, hey, there's a teenager that needs to talk to you. I was just there on an internship. I was taking out trash, washing dishes. I wasn't preaching. I wasn't doing anything. And I was in the service and they knew my story and they came and got me and I went and I hung out with them. And his mama had taken his own, her own life he found her and on the one year anniversary of that his dad decided that life wasn't worth living so he took his own life and that same kid found his dad and in that moment I said you know what I'm thankful that I've been through that same situation not exactly but very similar and I could minister to him and I could tell him hey you know what my dad did that same thing and this is what I felt like and this is what I wanted to do but that's not what I did because I knew that God was going to take it and he was going to work it for my good and I don't know how but God's going to take that and he's going to work it for your good as well 
And I'm sorry that it happened. And my sorry to him meant more than a thousand sorries from other people that still have both their parents living. What moments are you living through? What moments have you lived through that you say, Today, God, I'm going to take those moments and I'm going to give them to you. Lord Jesus, this morning, God, everybody in this room, God, has, they've gone through moments. Some of the moments good and some of the moments bad. But God, I pray that all of us would take all of those moments and that we'd give them to you. God, if there's things that we haven't given to you, God, I pray that we would give them to you. God, if we're currently going through a moment and we don't like it and it's not fun and it's painful and it's miserable, God, we take that moment, we give it to you. And we say, God, help us make it through this moment. God, as we walk through our valley of the shadow of death, God, we'd know that you'd be with us and that you would help us. In the mighty name of Jesus. This morning, if you say, Woody, that's where I've been. I've gone through some moments in my life and I've just tried to tuck them down deep and I haven't given those moments to God. If that's you, would you just raise your hand and say, that's me. I've got moments. I see your hand. I see your hands. I see your hand in the back. I see your hand. then how many of you would say, I'm living through a moment right now and I need help to give it to God? Raise your hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see your hands. Will you do me a favor? If you raised your hand and there were several people that raised their hand, would you just be bold enough to stand up? And say, hey, I'm going through a moment and I need to help I need help giving it to God. Would you just stand up? I believe God's gonna do something in our life. A few seconds longer, I saw some hands go up. I don't want you to miss out. Because I think God's gonna do something in your life today. It's gonna be a turning point. The enemy's been trying to take the things that have happened in your life he's been trying to twist them pervert them make them define you incorrectly but today we're going to give those moments to God and we're going to say God you use them to define me if there's people standing up by you would you just place your hand on their arm or on their shoulder on their back some of you may have to move out of the way I want several people having their hands on all of these people Lord Jesus, right now, God, I pray for every single person that's going through a moment. And God, they need to give it to you today. God, these moments, they don't make sense. 
God, these moments, they hurt. God, these moments make us sometimes wish that we could go anywhere else but in our own real life. God, and the enemy has been taking advantage of these moments. And God, right now, I shut the enemy up and I tell the enemy, you stop lying to these people. That God, they are created to do good things. That God, they are that they do have a relationship with you and that, God, they have been making the right choices. God, I pray that you would help them to continue in their life, God, to take all of these moments and to give them to you, Lord Jesus. God, I declare to them that they will make it through it, that this is not the end result, that this is not who they are. This is just a moment that they're living through. God, I pray that you would define them correctly through this moment. God, I pray that they would take their moments and make it line up with the Word of God. Lord Jesus, I pray for every single one of them that's asking why. And God, I ask that you would help them to understand there's not always an answer for that. God, we can't understand everything. But God, even in our ignorance of the situation, God, we trust you. God, we look to you, God, and we give you everything. Every part of us, God. We give you our emotions, Lord Jesus. We give you our physical moments that we're going through, God. We give you our spiritual moments that we're going through, God. And God, I pray that you'd help them through these moments in the mighty name of Jesus everybody said amen we just finished a series called fighter on Wednesday nights and it was Abby's idea and she helped me preach it And she was talking about being a survivor. And God spoke to me very clear. And that said, a survivor is not what I created you to be. He said, he, he, he was showing me that a lot of the times people end up living their whole life as a victim. Bad things always happen to me. Can I tell you, bad things always happen to all of us? But God wants to take you from being a victim to being a survivor. Where you can look back like I did and I said, that happened to me in 2007. But here I am 2015 and I'm still standing here because I survived it. But God doesn't want us to stop at survivor. He wants us to go on and say, hey, I didn't just survive 2007, but I overcame 2007. And in your life, the moments that you're living through, God doesn't want you to be a victim. God wants you to move from being a victim to moving into being a survivor. But then He doesn't want you to stop right there. He wants you to go from being a survivor to being an overcomer. And that's what God has for you. He said that He has created us to be more than overcomers. And I'm telling you, no matter what moments you go through, you will overcome them if you take the moments and you give them to God. Now, if you just try to do them in and of your own strength, you will not be an overcomer. You might at best be a survivor, but you'll never be an overcomer. So stand with me this morning.
Lord Jesus, God, I pray that you would help us all. God, not just be a victim, but God, move from being a victim into being a survivor. And then, God, I pray that you would help move us from a survivor to being an overcomer. God, I pray everybody that raised their hands and said, I'm going through a moment and I need to give it to God. God, I pray that you would help them be an overcomer. And that they would start being an overcomer right now in the middle of their situation. And that they would start declaring, I will overcome this problem. I will overcome this pain. I will overcome this hurt. I am, by God's grace, an overcomer. God, I pray that you would do that in our life. Before we get out of here, will you just worship God? Abby, lead us this morning. sing it one more time this morning but declare it over yourself that this will be how you live and how you operate Protector.
Lord Jesus, help us all. God, even if we're not going through a moment now, and even if we've taken all the moments we've gone through and we've given them to you, God, I pray that today you would help us as we continue living moments in our life. God, let us be aware of these moments. God, let us take all of those moments and give them to you. God, so that they define us correctly. And God, we'll give you the praise and the glory for it. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Well, you may be seated. I want to encourage you next. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.